covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Heilman here alongside my good pal, co-host Jim Bernier, as always, for our latest edition. Uh, if you didn't listen in, or if you might have noticed, we have two shows this week. This is the show for any of our recaps for last week's or week nine's action, previews for week 10, uh, and our general our general main show items. Uh, if you want to listen to our interview with Coach head coach Tom Manas of the Albany Empire, that is an entire separate episode, the one before this. I recommend you take a step back if you haven't yet check that one out otherwise you know welcome into our latest edition of inside the walls uh speaking of which speaking of the inside the walls podcast jim here helped and build uh, built us a new web store with merchandise that we now have for inside the walls so uh that is going to be at at www.insidethewallspodcast.teespring.com you can find shirts sweatshirts decal stickers some kick-ass tumbler mugs which i'm going to be picking up one myself uh so thank you jim for designing all that stuff and getting it all up on the fly because yeah. i know yeah i'm getting some stuff here soon enough well are you saying that you're going to be the only buyer hopefully we have our listeners no. to buy it and i bet you know someone what? will yeah that's, you know what and we're we're in a giving mood so we have a promotion code for the month of august 10% off of your first purchase or any purchases with a promotion code playoffs. Um, we're not asking you to buy stuff. Just you do. It's not going to be expensive because the arena football and the national arena league is cheap family fun. And we're going to keep our prices low because of that. Cause we're going to represent the brand, represent our brand in the same way that we represent the league that we cover. Mm-hmm. That's right. Again, that code 10% off your entire purchase. That is playoffs playoffs is what you'll be looking for uh you know of course because the nal playoffs are coming up here really quick so you know we're being a little cheeky and that's what we're going to do and it's a great way to launch the site and so not only do you get as low as we could put prices for stuff but you get a little bit extra taken off the top too so you know go check out our store while you're at it at the very very least we'd much appreciate it now let's get into the main beef of the show or main portion of the show Whatever it is, it's the main portion of the show. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I know that was a little weird to start. That's okay. I'm going to roll with that. Uh, Beef? beef. Main beef. Well, I mean, hey, if we're talking beef, you know, we always do the recaps first. So week nine, you know, we had a little bit of beef in Columbus because the Lions wanted to exact some revenge against the Albany Empire, you know. Remember, remember, folks who are listening to our uh, Mason Espinoza conversation with the man himself, they had that date circled for the rematch. Correct. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, Albany decided to play arguably its best game of the season. And really, it came down to just a few key moments in that contest, whether it was a fourth down stop at the five-yard line or it was an extra interception or whether it was just drives not going in their favor. Albany pulled it out, and Columbus, unfortunately, did not live up to the task on defense, I'm afraid. No, uh, probably the best defense in the National Arena League kind of almost did a no-show during this game um and 
when you needed when you needed them to come out and perform the biggest game of the year, this is a chance where you get the win and where you go get the win, you split the series, and you have to go to your sixth tiebreaker to uh, determine who the one seed is. Um, it, it's a it's a big loss for the Columbus Lions. Of course, they they get a season sweep by the Alb- Albany Empire. Albany Empire as well clinched the number one overall seed in the playoffs. Um, but that defense that completely shut down every single team they played against since week two of the of the season. You got to give credit to Tommy Grady and Malachi Jones and Priest or excuse me, Prince and Barrett and Ruffins and that Albany offense. Um, they just went up and down the field on Columbus. And, and it's not saying nothing bad about Columbus. Mason Espinosa had a hell of a game. Antoine Grant had a hell of a game. Our player of the week for crying yes, out our, loud. Our play, uh, the, NL, the Inside the Walls podcast player of the week. It was a, it was a good game. Just two Two to three possessions didn't go the way Columbus wanted to, and it ended up being a, a score that it was, a 20-point loss. But I watched the game. I look at Mason's stats. I look at Antoine Grant's stats. If you look at just their stats alone, ladies and gentlemen, you look at it, don't even look at score, you look at stats, you go, wow, Columbus should have won this game by three scores. And they didn't. They It was just they got – you credit to the Albany defense. They stopped Columbus on key drives um, late in the game. That flipped the script. Mm-hmm. But but Albany, they really they, without those those two late stall like key turnover and also the two over uh, over uh, the turnover on downs. Mason and Antoine Grant were a show were just show by itself. They were going up and down the field. Like every play looked like Antoine Grant was scoring a touchdown. That's how that's how the game went. Yeah. And it's just from me, from a perspective as a fan watching this game, I'm looking at it and go, Yeah, these two teams are gonna face each other in a few weeks for the championship. It's just I it, nothing's changed in my opinion with the other teams in the league. But um, yeah, you gotta give credit to Albany. Uh, they came with the you know, they had two weeks off. I criticized them last week about being a little shaky against the Jersey flight. And they came down and they took care of business. And you got to give, you know, got to give Tom and Oss, you got to give that coaching staff, a, a, you know, all the props. They made the right adjustments this week. They put the right key players and key positions to win. And they shut down at points, possibly one of the best off, better offenses in the league. And made it to a point where it was a one-sided game in the second half. And honestly, Zach, the beginning of the game, how it started, the first six minutes of the game, you saw it. Even though the score didn't show it, you seen, you're like, oh, this is not going to turn out to be good for the Columbus. It looked like Columbus. It just, the score didn't show at the time, but it looked, you could tell by how the game was going on. You're like, Columbus, it's going to be a long night for Columbus. Right. And it turned out to be that. And usually when it's three to two with four minutes in the four minutes left in the first quarter, you're like, ah, eh, eh, it's just a slow game. And no, it was it you can tell as the game progressed, it became just one sided. But you gotta give credit to Albany. They did their job, they got the one seed, and now 
you have to go through Albany. You got to go to the Time Time Union Center to go win a championship. And for Columbus, you got to take care of Jersey this week and get ready for the playoffs. But they do know who they face in the first round of the playoffs. That matchup is, is lock and stone. The Orlando Predators are traveling to the Columbus Lions uh, to take on the Lions in the first round of the, of the playoffs. So that matchup is confirmed. So, yeah, it was an interesting week one and or that game. But, you know, if you watch, if you look at stats, you would have thought Columbus won by three touchdowns, but didn't. It was a unique, you know, typical arena football games where sometimes the stats don't tell the truth. Yes. And it definitely is a, it's a case of a more traditional arena football game in terms of defense isn't supposed to be the main force, but it comes down generally to one, two, one or two key defensive stops or turnovers that does flip the script because of the fact that arena is usually such a scoring is the norm. When a stop happens, that's a big, Oh shoot moment. You know, you don't expect that to happen. And that's exactly what happened to Columbus just got in awkward situations. You know, obviously the early interception, you know, that little series between them and Albany didn't help where it was, you know, <laughs> Epsmosa threw one that was kind of a, kind of a bobble one that was picked off and then Grady got one right back, but, you know, they couldn't take advantage of that. Um, the weird onside kick that they were trying to get back into the game, but it just bounced the wrong way and went in for a touchdown anyway for Albany. Um, just, and of course that fought that stop at the five yard line in the second half that really started to separate and kind of make the gap widen for the lions. You know, that just was so, just a few instances where they couldn't convert, you know, so Albany, you know, I think they took advantage. They took advantage of seeing how maybe they kind of got lucky with Jersey and pulling that out the week prior and they adjusted and they came in knowing what stakes were of this game. I also want to say too, there's their late signings in the season uh, kind of showed up in a big way because the two weaknesses we've addressed with Albany were we worry about their secondary or at least their defense is a, as a u- overall unit. And we were worried about their run game when they released Derek Ross. Uh, the run game got solved because they definitely used Jeremy Richardson to a full degree of a fullback. They didn't use as much jet sweeps or try to find what creative ways to run. They used a actual fullback in Richardson and to a decent effect. Uh, and then, you know, Sony being a veteran in the space, that definitely shores up what was the shakiest part of Albany's defensive presence. So they're, they tooled up at the right time. They're back to full strength, if not maybe now, I think, scarier after this game. And they've repositioned themselves to me now as definitely the top team in the NAL right now. Um, I will stop for the moment saying that the Lions are better just because they put that to rest. Oh, yeah, they put it to rest. And you got to give uh, the management of Albany, they put the positions they needed. Um, mm-hmm. The issues, the question marks that we saw last week to this team were answered. Uh, yes. They put, they got, they got the two signings and put it in, and the, the offense was there. Grady uh, had the protection, had the running game, and the defense did enough. And sometimes when you look at teams like Columbus and Albany, you you look at it and you go, maybe, yeah, Albany is good or Columbus is good. Maybe they just don't match up well against the Empire, and maybe just that just a matchup issue. And sometimes it happens. Like you can compare a lot of NFL teams in the past that dominate everybody else but when they play this one similar team they just struggle against mm-hmm. and it's just because it's a matchup and i just think right now there's still time to change things can happen 
We might see a championship game in Albany. We might not. Uh, it's because of playoffs. You get, you're not guaranteed anything. But we're now back-to-back games between Columbus and Albany, and Albany has gotten the advantage on both sides, on both meetings. Um, but it looked like that for me from early in the game, it looked, it just seemed like it was going to be a long night for Columbus just by how it started. And usually when you see that, that's because it's just, they don't match up with well with them. Mm-hmm. And Albany just got better over the week with the signings and Columbus still, I still think they have one of the most deadly offensive groups oh, with yeah. the Deloach, with Antoine Grant and with Outlaw and Espinosa. I still think they have a good offense. It's just, unfortunately, this week just it didn't go their way. But that doesn't mean that Columbus, it's not, that doesn't mean they're not going to win the championship. They're one of the, the few teams in this league, which I mean, one of the only, I think, two teams, maybe three teams that can win the actual championship this year. Um, so for Columbus, it was just, it just didn't look right. And they were getting the groove back. They were getting back in. And then that onside kick that turned into be a touchdown for Albany it was just a killer for them. And, and that's how the momentum switched. That almost the moment it switched, then that's when Albany just you know took a stranglehold mm-hmm. over the game. Kind of and, ironic since uh, kind of ironic since in their first matchup, that was one of the reasons they were even made it so close at the end was because of their onside kicks. Correct. So yeah, kind of funny how things work like that. It's strange about an arena game when you get to the onside kicks situation because in Jacksonville, onside kick happened and actually went in favor of the Sharks a couple of times. Um, to make that game a different story. Uh, it just, you look at Columbus, they were there, they were making the comeback. They had like back-to-back possessions with scores and you can feel the building was starting to get charged and start to get energized. Uh, you can feel that comeback. You thought, you, you, you're looking at it's like, well, Columbus has a quarterback. They can make this comeback. And it just went from, we're here. We get this onside kick. We're only down in possession, score a touchdown. We're possibly tied or take the lead. And it just – the ball bounces an odd way and it got picked up by Albany. And all of a sudden you look at the scoreboards like, nope, we're back down to two possessions and the clock becomes your enemy except for your friends. So it's a, it was a unique game. But besides those little two things that happened in the second half, they went neck to neck. They, yes. proved that the, they, they proved that these are the two best teams in the National Arena League this year. And that's why I still believe we're going to see a rematch in here in a, in a national arena league championship game here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I think, I think the same thing. Uh, I think a third matchup is very likely. Uh, I think in terms of uh, at least the arena league in general, I think the NAL in general, I think wants to see this matchup again because Mm -hmm. it's explosive because it has the two best offenses in the league. Um, And defensively, you know, I mean, there's not much, I mean, defensively, like, like we said, it came down this matchup to just a few, better plays so yeah. or a few better plays or instances of one just having that arena luck go in the right favor so uh i think that's gonna happen they, yeah. they both are playing stellar football right now yeah uh, and, and that's what you want to be going into the postseason you want to be absolutely. playing your best football and if you're columbus right now yeah you took the l but it's not it's not going to ruin your season you're you're hosting a playoff game so that's good that means you are no matter if an upset happens in the first round, you're hosting. Yeah. But you guys, you know, Columbus knows that they have Jersey this week and they have Orlando next week and the week after that. So they have, they know their schedule the next couple of weeks. So for Albany, they got to wait because they have no idea who they're, ha- they're going to play um, in the playoffs. 
that hasn't been determined yet. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You want to? You don't want to know why that's murky? Um, it's because of our next matchup here. Yeah. Just answer this for me, Jim. What yeah. what fan base is having a season from hell right now? Uh, the Jacksonville Sharks. What team that I thought at least could have. I mean, credit, I picked against them last week, but what team messed up the potential for having the definitive inside track for the playoffs this week, like past uh, week? Can I phone a friend or should I just say it? <laughs> uh, you can phone a friend, but yeah, I'm not going to call nobody. It's the Jacksonville Sharks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. They just they fell right into the scenario that I wanted to see. Just total chaos with the fourth seed up in the air the way it is mm-hmm. because now every game this week matters in some yes. way, shape or form. And, and that's why yeah. this week there is no game of the week on an, on inside the walls podcast. It's just going to be called week 10 because all three games hold a significance to playoffs. So we'll be covering all three games and especially the big point differential, which is going to be in effect this week, probably. Yes, we will keep our we will keep up and do diligent this weekend on at least getting the playoff picture as understood as possible by the end of the contests on Saturday night, uh, because there is going to be a lot of play in terms of tiebreakers, in terms of point differential, and you have three teams, two and five, all going to be vying for a spot, all are going to be facing off against the top three seeds that you know they're all three of them are underdogs in their contests if we're being honest. Yeah, and and, uh, and and the three teams that have clinched don't have to play this week. Yeah, if they do, if they want to, they can rest everybody, which will just put more chaos into the bottom uh, to the bottom fourth uh, the fourth playoff seat because Jacksonville didn't beat Carolina. That means Carolina gets in, and everyone's all in, in fluctuating. But right now, Jersey has the inside into the postseason because of their point differential at this moment. Yeah, but it's it's what everybody dreams about in NFL, you want a week 18 matchup where you have 10 teams or five teams battling for only two spots. And it's like the major league baseball where you have six teams in the last weekend battling for the last two wild cards. We're getting that in the NAL this week. And it's because of Jacksonville. Jacksonville had the chance to eliminate the Carolina Cobra. So you only would have been the two teams, the, the sharks and the uh, light, but they didn't have it. Start the game started off good. Then a turnover, uh, excuse me, a safety, um, followed by a kickoff return, flipped a temple. It was a 16-6 game, and they flipped it to Carolina, took the lead then and never looked back. And you got to give credit to Carolina. Um, they Aiken has turned that team completely on a different side of things. Yeah. Summers, uh, TC, that offense just uh, – they're a different beast. That they, um, of course, they did some signings this week, so they they're making the push trying to get there, and they technically have the second best odds to get in them, but they have a chance to get in. But for the Jacksonville Sharks, this is another game where you can see that Jacksonville is one piece away of being a good team. Problem is, look like Southwick's rib injury came back into play against the Cobras. Um, because he was getting chased around and get hit. Cobra's defense mm-hmm. line was in the backfield all day. Connor came in, and no one's talking about Connor Kagey this week. He had a hell of a second half of good numbers. Um, 
from what I can tell, um, the NAL hasn't updated the stats yet, but I think he threw over 200, some 250 yards and had about like five touchdown passes for the Sharks. And still, good outing for the second half. And but one thing about the Sharks I want to give credit to, yes, Carolina won the game, but you got to give credit to Brandon Beer and the special teams of the Jacksonville Sharks in the fourth quarter. They had two onside kicks, and they got – well, they got one of them. Um, but the second one didn't go through, and they ended up the game – Carolina ended up running out of the clock. But they – at the end of the fourth quarter, it would have been almost a 24-point win by the Carolina Cobras. And that would have put Jackson's point differential so far behind Carolina, who's currently right now in fifth place. It almost would have eliminated Jackson. He got negative 24 points uh, in that game, or point differential, added to your point differential. So they would have been like a negative 111 or something like that in their point differential. And they got a big 14-point swing at the end of the fourth quarter that got that down to only 10. So technically, they're only three points back at Carolina, which makes it even crazier for this week. So I got to give credit to the special teams of Jacksonville. And I got to give credit to the, the coaches' staff. It's like, hey, they knew. They knew. It's like, well, we lost this game, but if we want a fighting chance next week, we have to do something here. And they got that 14-point swing at the end of the game, and that changed everything. Um, for them, even though it was a loss, it's a little bit of a moral victory. But you have Carolina. I was there live. Carolina just – Aiken, they couldn't get to Aiken. Aiken was making plays after plays after plays. They had a shaky first half or the first couple of uh, first quarter with bad penalties, mm -hmm. um, but they recovered and their offense struck gold and they were moving the ball and their defense was making plays. But the problem with I've, what I've seen from Jacksonville is that offensive line of theirs is they're getting mm -hmm. they're they're not helping. They're, the yeah, quarterbacks it's, it's, are they're, yeah. the quarterbacks are running out of the pocket. They're getting hit. And I don't care if you're Tommy Grady. I don't care if you're Dane Southwick. I don't care if you're a offensive lineman playing quarterback. If your offensive line stop blocking, you're going to get hit and sacked. And, yeah, it was just once Jacksonville got in the groove, they were getting stupid penalties. And that was on defense, too. They are getting a lot of legal defenses for a team that's been, you know, in the arena football for 10-plus years. You should know what defense is in the arena game. And you got to give credit to Carolina Aiken, that offense. Uh, they jumped on the Sharks, and when the Sharks were showing signs that, oh, there's a situation, they went down. They just jumped on the Sharks' throat and ended the game. And that just tells you that the coaching staff and Carolina, after just ending their five-game losing streak, they wanted to do it in style. They thought they were robbed two weeks prior uh, with mm -hmm. the Sharks, and they finished the job in Jacksonville. And now they put themselves in a situation that was good, and you got to get you know, Carolina that. Um, but as a Sharks fan, as a person that was there, I saw a Shark team's line scrimmage that couldn't block and a defensive line that couldn't get to Aiken uh, yeah. unless there was a coverage sack, which that happens time to time. And I'm not saying that the Sharks, that's an issue for Sharks. It just had a bad game. This is, that's where I saw the line scrimmage. They're losing the battle of the line scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And if you're losing the battle, I don't care if you throw 50 yard touchdown passes. If you can't, if you can't protect a three yard radius, um, that's the line scrimmage, more line scrimmage. You're going to lose a lot of football games, and they lost that against the Cobras. And because the Cobras, they made this week entertaining. So it's going to be a very interesting week 10. So, yeah, uh, as a Sharks fan, and credit to the Shark Nation, by the way, for not losing their crap this week like they did over the last couple of weeks. They came out um, in numbers, too, for that game. You know? Yeah, uh, 11, uh, 7,000, uh, 7, I want to say about uh, – uh, 
7,100 fans showed up. So mm-hmm. that's a good crowd. Uh, good fan, but Jackson fan base is there. When so far, what happens knows in the last couple of years, win, lose, and draw, they're there. So mm-hmm. you, you you will get that 7,000 fans there. And they came out support. It was a good atmosphere. You know, had a couple of friends with me. We enjoyed the game, had fun. It was just the, on the game, it just it didn't go our way. And as a person, as, you know, like you, Zach, you play football like myself. Right. So I'm t- you, you, I, I was in high school. I was a part of a team that had went 1-14 in two seasons. And my junior year, we finally had a winning record. And when you experience all the losses that you played, you understand, like, yeah, okay, well, you know, tip my hat, go out there and work better. You're, the wins will come. Yeah. Uh, this year, we're just in that draft for the Sharks. And still have a chance, but the, the odds of us right now are very slim because we need a lot of things to happen in our favor, which could possibly happen, which is chaotic. Um, but, yeah, the fan support was there, and I just want to appreciate the fans, the Shark fans, for not uh, showing your aggression on the teams on in social media and all the, on the boards. You, more professionals. There's still some, but it wasn't as you know as extreme as it was just a couple weeks ago. But so, improved. They grew up a little bit. Puts a tear to my eye, but still. Uh, but, yeah, it was an interesting game. So, yeah, it happens. It's a, you know, tip the hat. Carolina won. You know, go to work this week and see if you can do it, and hopefully things fall your way. They don't control their destiny. They had a chance to. They don't do it now. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it As a former player of the game, I know how to approach it. And as a fan, I'm like, you know what? You, I'm pissed. But as a fan, I'm like, you know, they can have it this year. You know, I can go home and look on YouTube and watch championship games in the past. I can be that type of fan. Um, but this year is just a lot of question marks from the Sharks. Rumors about certain quarterbacks being signed, which is kind of laughable. Um, right, but it's just you know it's a, it's a it's a winning organization that's not used to losing, and the fans are just now realizing like you know these ha- this thing happens now. If the Sharks fans had the same mentality as Jacksonville Jaguar fans, then they'll be used to it. They're like, oh, it's right. just a loss. We'll get back to it. But it's a different mentality, and I understand the Shark fans are passion. And shout out to the fans, eleven thousand showed up, good fan crowd. I think they got about over like thirty thousand fans this year, which is impressive. Um, for a for a COVID type of year, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was you know, it's it's a tough season. Um, but you forgot to answer the uh, ask me a question at the beginning about well, the Sharks did this, Shark did did you go to the game, Jim? Well, yes, I did. I did go to the game. <laughs> I didn't drink either. I didn't have a beer. Uh, so oh, which what? is odd. So um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't gonna you know drown my misery. But yeah, uh, um, it fans. It was a fan appreciation night. They came out. The Sharks did a lot for the fans there. They like they always do. It's a very good crowd. And, you know, just chip your hat. It's the last time I'd be in the Shark Tank until next season. And hopefully next season we have more than just four home games. Um, and, well, yeah. and and hopefully I'd not test positive for COVID next year. Hopefully the situation is gone by then. Um, but, yeah, it's it was a difficult difficult game. But you got in Carolina, like we've been talking about all season, Zach, about Carolina needs to make play, uh, decisions on signings. They're finally doing it because now they're like, you know what, we have a chance at it. And they're making plays, or they made plays against Jacksonville. They've been playing like they've played exactly a 12 last 12 quarters. This is the best Carolina team I've seen. They flipped it around so like that. And honestly, for Carolina, they just need New Jersey to mess up. And if Carolina beats, you know, Orlando, they're in the playoffs. So they control their destinies as more than as Jacksonville. But 
you, you got to give the credit to the coach. You got to credit credit the organization of Carolina. They see an opening and they took it, and mm-hmm. they beat Jacksonville and they got that opening. So now it comes to a very interesting week ten. Yeah, Josh Rignaldo and his roster is playing their best football right now. Props, hats off to them. By the way, I gotta—I'll tell you one key element to the Cobras that this week that I was—I was saying like, man, this this is probably, I think the most dominant kicking performance I've seen all year was from TC Stevens mm-hmm. this past weekend. It just seemed like consistently deuce after deuce after deuce he was landing just. Mm-hmm nails in the coffin further and further as Caroline would pull away. And you're like, man, and now it's nine points after nine points after nine points of just getting consistently excellent kicking. Um, Man's been on a tear as well during this three game stretch. Uh, Get, get a lot of credit to him. Uh, And you know, Aiken really has kind of made this offense start to move more and they won by the way, without BJ bun, BJ bun actually is suspended right now. Um, didn't see a reason why on the transaction list, but he didn't play or dress up for, for the, for this contest in week nine that we recollect or that Jim can recall either. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, they're making it work. And now that they're bringing Lamarck Brown in, by the way, which is one of their signings that they had this week, who, for those that remember Lamarck Brown in 2019 in the AFL with the Blackjacks, uh, he was a leading receiver in terms of reception yards and catches for the Blackjacks on a roster that already had Antoine Grant as the other receiver in that. In that, He was outplaying him. He was one of the top receivers in the league that year. Dude's not a slouch. Uh, he's going to upgrade that unit. The thing is, the Cobras are basically banking on getting into the playoffs on a final push with these mm-hmm. transactions, which include, of course, you know, Lamarck Brown. But they also picked up to shore up the line, the O line, D line, uh, wherever they play some. Dante Holmes is going to be in there as well, and they picked up another offensive lineman, uh, Raymond McNeil. So uh, yeah. some solid pieces. I, I heard a lot of good things about Dante Holmes actually, uh, and they're saying that that's going to be a crucial piece for really pulling off what they hope to be an upset over Orlando and then sneaking in after being down and out for several weeks now <laughs> doing a lot of stuff last minute. Yeah, it's, it's, sometimes you need to have the transactions like they're doing right here to put yourself in a position to win. And that's what they're doing. Yeah. They're um, they didn't do it earlier in the year. Maybe, maybe you, they were at, I, I don't know how the, the Carolina organization was thinking at the time, but they were losing games and it, it didn't look like a team that was going to do anything but something happened at halftime against the Jacksonville Sharks three weeks ago that woke that team woke up and they completely played last even though they lost last week but they came out and won this week the mentality switched and for some reason that mentality that changed maybe it's because of Aiken coming in and playing the organization's like you know what we we have a couple key pieces we got here Let's place these key pieces and let's see if we can actually go for it. And if they come out this week against Orlando, depending on how Orlando wants to treat this week, it could be their reason why they get in as a four seed and go back to Albany and take on Albany team, which they had very a very good success with them the first time they played, um, even yeah. though they lost. But still, it was a shootout to the very end where Caroline just ran out of gas. But you got to give Columbus – when we bat, uh, it's like sometimes I, I always to say I, I kind of regret bashing him, but as a person that covers his league, that wants to see his league succeed, they at that times this year they look like a team that did not want to make the move to be competitive. 
and they finally got to a point in the season where they got that spark. They're like, wait a minute, we're one, two, maybe three key pieces away of being a playoff team. They got that spark against the Sharks three weeks ago, and now they're at a position where they can push to make a playoff berth, and it comes down to week 10. It's do or die, flip the coin, hopefully the coin flips in your direction, and you're in the postseason, and next week we're talking about a Carolina versus Albany first-round matchup, which three weeks ago we would have laughed at that, and yes. they can get right in to do it. So yeah, it's it's interesting, and for me and for you that cover league, we were screaming at them, like, what are you doing? This team, people comparing them to the, the high-county Grizzlies ever since that post was made on the website, on the on NAL board. They have played their best football ever since. So whoever did that, I forgot who did it. Whoever did that, you gave the Carolina Cobras the material they need for that spark for them to make a playoff push. And kicking the pants. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're the high county Grizzlies. No, we're not. No, I don't want any team in the NAL think that they're the high county Grizzlies. Like, there's some teams in in 2017. You look at go Dayton, High County, Corporate Christie. Like, what? The league is much involved. I think, uh, I think the organization of Carolina go, wait a minute, that's a smack in the face. We're not that organization. They made the moves. They made the moves. They pushed forward, and they're here. And you got to yeah. give credit. And yeah. they did it. They- <laughs> As a Sharks fan, <laughs> I wish the Sharks did it. They didn't do it. They, mm-hmm. Sharks did sign players. It's just that when the Sharks signed the players, someone else got hurt. And it just is like a, a just it's like a spin the wheel like oh we signed this guy spin it let's see who's the next player that gets hurt okay landed here and that person gets hurt and some teams hit it and some teams don't and Jacksonville this year was that team that didn't hit it and Carolina is the winner right now that found that spark so we're coming down to playoff time and that's the best thing it comes down in week ten elimination we could call it like a WWE match is a fatal a triple threat match whoever wins it goes to the playoffs and possibly gets eliminated <laughs> but it's <laughs> it's week 10 we don't have 16 weeks to talk about this season it's like the season started two nights ago and we're already in the postseason so it's like good morning good afternoon and good night so that's how we do it here in the nal this season it's the nal summer slam with a three matchup set for you to be diving into that actually hurt my voice a little bit anyway let's get <laughs> into this um so carolina obviously retold a lot now they get to go to the jungle where the orlando predators as these seasons picked up a have been getting more fan support and are starting to look closer and closer as you and i have talked about to what we thought the predators could look like with competent mm-hmm. ownership and b or two i don't remember which one i just said there uh you now have a cobras team that like i said last week desperate times call for desperate measures a team with nothing to lose can be the most dangerous thing out there. And right. right now they still are in the nothing to lose category because anything can happen this weekend. So you basically are just going to throw all the cards on the table to make that final playoff push, which is what they did with the signings. And now what they're going to do against Orlando, as we've also talked, Orlando really has besides, you know, I brought coach Manas in our interview, brought up a good point for the fans. Besides the fans, they have nothing to play for in terms of seeding or playoffs or anything because they're, they're locked in at three. They're going to be playing Columbus either way. So, yeah, uh, 
a lot of stuff up in the air with this one as long as others. But, you know, Carolina has the momentum. They retooled their roster. Credit Orlando did pick up Joe Hills to upgrade their receiving core. One, Predators still have arguably the sneakiest defense in the NAL. Uh, yeah, kind of a unique matchup on paper. And I, for one, I, I think this is the matchup out of the three teams trying to qualify for the fourth seed. I think this, I think this matchup, the Cobras, I think have the best chance out of the three because of this matchup to sneak in, in my opinion, and yeah, for I, the signings they've made. Yeah, I think so too. I think based on you look at the, you have all three games, all the teams that are trying to get into that fourth seed are playing the three teams individually who are in clincher spots and really don't have to play week 10. Now you're going to have some teams that will rest players. If certain games get out of control or if certain, they look at the scoreboard and go, you know what? We're playing these guys next. We're playing these guys next week. Possibly let's look at the other scores. You're going to have a lot of coaches are going to look at scoreboards, the scoreboard watching, and they're going to determine what they're going to do. Like in Albany, it's different, but in Orlando, they got. They know they they brought on Joe Hillis. Won the an arena football great. Oh yes, um, he's in he's in in Orlando. It's gonna be fan appreciation day in Orlando. I expect a good crowd in Orlando, but I think the Orlando and Carolina game is gonna be more competitive than the other two games. I do. I think the other two games we might see first half starters and second half. You know, backups. I kind of I think that might happen. So, I think Carolina and Orlando is going to be a more competitive game. The reason why I say it's going to be a more competitive game is because Carolina's going to put these new guys in to get you know get you know experience, get used to it, and trying to win that game. And Orlando, I just think Orlando has that new. They got their swag bag. This is the Predators. You're going into their building. How they played this year in that building, I don't think they're just going to lay an egg. No. And for me. I look at – you look at Orlando. Is O'Brien going to be that type of quarterback that you could trust in Columbus the following week? You, he's going to go up against a Carolina team that's, that's on, who's on fire, who's much improved, who has probably Aiken – has, Aiken has skyrocketed up the charts as one of the top-tier quarterbacks in his league over the last couple of weeks. So you look at Orlando, their defense is much improved, and you wonder – is Orlando a championship team? They have a Maxwell, who's a damn good fullback slash mm-hmm. defensive lineman. They got receivers that are solid. You bring in a legend. The question is, is if O'Brien makes that next step in this game, I'll feel more comfortable about Orlando next week. But in this game right here, I think it's more competitive because I think Carolina, they see their chance, they see their opportunity, and they're going to force it. I just don't see the Predators taking this game as the possibly the Columbus and Albany that they may take it as like, oh, you know, we're going to take the day off. Mm-hmm. We don't need it because we're, we're playing next week. I think it's going to be more competitive. And But I'm going to look in this situation. I'm going to look at the quarterback play. I'm going to look at all, um, O'Brien. I'm going to look at Aiken. The guy who shows me the most – like, I think Aiken's the type of quarterback where coming into 2022, he's going to be in Carolina again as their start. I still I have a feeling that he may be back. But for Carol, for for Orlando, you don't need to win this. You don't you don't need it. But will their tradition of 
we're the Orlando Predators. We don't lose because we're going to the playoffs next week. We want to win. They get that good feeling going into Columbus. So for me, I look at Albany and I, uh, excuse me, I look at Orlando, get that fast, like get those fast pass routes out, hit Hillis, get this offense moving, take shots downfield and let your defense control the narrative of this game. If Orlando's defense shows up like they did in Carolina a few weeks ago and what, how they did against New Jersey, how they did against Jacksonville, in the in in the in, in Orlando, I'm said snake pick. Excuse me, they're going to shut down Carolina. That's Orlando. It depends on how Orlando wants to treat this game. If they're going to treat this game like you know it's week ten, we we got to must win this game to make the playoffs anyways. If they have come in with that mentality, they're going to win this game. But Carolina has made some great additions this past week to make a playoff push. So that's why I think this is going to be the most competitive game of the weekend. And I think we're going to come look down to 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock at night on Saturday, look at the scoreboard and go, oh, crap, Caroline's right here. Jersey's doing this. And, and you know, it may come down to who makes it. If Aki could do this, you know, 10-yard completion for a touchdown, it could come down to that. And I think we will see that in this game. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it may come down to one possession, possibly a five-point game, um, maybe closer than that. I think Orlando is not going to take this game off. And I think Carolina's going to be trying to prove something. So that's how I believe in this game. So give me care, give me Orlando winning this game, but I will not be shocked if Carolina is a team that gets into the playoffs this week by their performance against the Predators. That's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. Buying into the Cobras, baby. I loved what I'm I'm loving I'm seeing, man. I'm telling you, they keep they've added they've are as you're saying and I'm saying they're they've gotten the signings, they're turning things around. At least it looks like. And they're playing their best football of the year, like we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, Aaron, Aaron Aiken is, you've said it best, the, uh, he is the IFL-style quarterback that, they have been, that we have been talking about. He can run if he needs to, but he also has been delivering a lot more and has been getting more comfortable as well in this offense. That first matchup that they had against the Predators just two, just two weeks prior, uh, you know, this was that was honestly a contest. I thought that the Cobras were in it for the most part. I thought that they could have won. They just had one. Pos- they just had two possessions in the fourth quarter that didn't go their way. Yep. And one of them was a pick six. That pick six pretty much sealed the deal. So Carolina can hang with them. They picked up asked They've picked up prospects <laughs> through transactions the last two weeks that basically are saying, "Oh yes." We have upgraded and we are serious and we can hang with the, these guys. And I, and though I want to see how Joe Hills does with a week under his belt to then play, I want to see how, of course, Patrick O'Brien plays and such. And maybe if he can be a little more consistent, he's, he's been, I would say above average from, he's been from, from above average to shaky in most of his con- contests with the exception of his first week against Jacksonville. So I, yeah. I'm with you where I'm like, I want to see maybe a little more consistency here, especially now that you have a, at least in terms of a AFL, you have a hall of fame receiver there in Joe Hills Mm -hmm. that you're anchoring DJ Myers stellar for his rookie campaign. Uh, And by the way, you know, Donovan raspberry and Prince Shinola, especially Prince Shinola, since he was signed off the, off the street mid season, he's been a great addition for that receiving core. Uh, Really? That was a great signing. Uh, both all four of those guys have been excellent. And I know we were worried at one point about Desmond Epps being let go, but 
they've really retooled that receiving core to be what they've expected and it's worked out for them well. So uh, obviously DJ Myers has been anchoring it, but now when you have Joe Hills on the other side, I mean, that's, I mean, that's just another thing to worry about. You know, it's kind of starting to make me think about like the Albany receiving core in a way where it's like, how do you defend all of this at once? You know, in Carolina's kind of the similar way, at least between Kendrick Ings and now Lamarck Brown, in theory, you're like, how do you defend all of this at once? Yeah. <laughs> it's same yeah, way. It, 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 it comes down to you, you start looking at the, the rosters of all these teams in the NAL and go, just imagine certain quarterbacks from Arena Bowl day, Arena Bowl pass, Arena League pass, like a Rodenbaugh or Aaron Garcia. And you go, man, just imagine him with these offensive weapons. Yeah. Like the, the NAL is – every team has loaded wide receiver cores. I'm just saying, like, Carolina has their guys. Jacksonville has our, their guys. Albany's loaded. Columbus is loaded in the receivers. And you just go, it's – it's literally what the game is meant to be around league. It's, it comes down to the quarterback. Yes. And this game is going to come down to the quarterback and also comes down to how Orlando wants to approach it. True. But still, that wide receiver core in Orlando, especially with DJ Myers, how he was the – he was Brian uh, Brian Hicks's um, number one guy earlier before Brian got hurt. Mm-hmm. Now, if Brian Hicks was still with the team, still starting to quarterback – um, I'm just I'm not I'm not showing favoritism here, but I'll be saying Orlando wins this by two scores because I trust an experienced quarterback in Brian Hicks. Mm-hmm. O'Brien, even though he has AFL experience, he's not a experienced starting quarterback. He's starting to get that. He made the plays in Carolina to win the game. But me watching the, the game last week in Jackson with the Sharks, I heard two players you know, they yell at the crowds like we got our revenge. You guys were lucky last week. Or two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I have I have a feeling Caroline's going to have that same mentality. Right. I think it's going to be I think it's going to have we're going to come down to the very end where you might see seven thousand people watching this game because that's this will be the game that determines who that four seed is and who's going to take the trip up to Albany next week. Got the revenge tour. That's that's probably what you're doing an end of season revenge tour, mm-hmm. you know. And like we had talked with that with that Jacksonville game, I thought that Jacksonville got lucky, and you know. I won't say I will not say Orlando got lucky. I think that they put themselves in a position to win in to win in Carolina. Uh, Carolina didn't capitalize no. on opportunities to pull away, so yeah. that's a little different. But no, Orlando didn't get lucky. Carolina just ran out of time. Right. They. Yeah. yeah. I mean, eventually Orlando caught up to them. They got ahead by a possession. Aiken throws an ill-timed pass. Now it's a two-possession game. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know. And it's late in the fourth. And now you're just going, well, looks like we're going to try, but it's pretty hard to come back from two possessions down this late. And you're right. That's what happened. And they also and had so, like a, they also had like a weird bounce of a ball off a kickoff, mm-hmm. like happened in the Jacksonville game. So it it's, if you come to look at it, people go like what the, oh, the head coach Tom and I said on our interview yesterday and what Mason Epson-Moses said is what Danny uh, Southwick said previously the difference between one and six in this league is just uh, two plays. And he's right. Like even the fourth and fifth and sixth place teams in this division in this league are, are the same record, two and five, they're same record. If they had like a whole season against each other, just those three teams playing each other twice, 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 I would not be surprised if it's a 500 record again. Mm-hmm. That's how even these teams are. And it's just a weird bounce of a ball that just goes one way. 
like in Jacksonville, it went Jacksonville's way with the uh, with the tip pass by Kenny Veal for the end zone by Crasanova uh, a couple of weeks ago that decided the factor. So, and last week for when Carolina when Carolina played Orlando came down to an ill pass by Aiken. It comes down to the single plays, and that's what happened. And yeah. that's how close these two te- these teams are. And that's what we're going to see this week is the evenness of the bottom three teams trying to fight for their chance to play to extend their season and start a new year next week. Part two of three of teams extending or trying to keep their playoff hopes alive is the one that, you know, as much as I picked Carolina last week, I thought was going to seal the deal because, well, it's Jacksonville. You know, it's they're the marquee franchise in the NAL. So you just figured, but here they are sitting two and five, just like their co just like their, uh, cohorts like Carolina or Jersey with a mm-hmm. matchup in Albany, which with an Albany team, now credit Albany besides playing for their fans, they don't have really anything to play for, but I mean, they did lose close in the shark tank. And I don't really think that you're going to see players sitting. Cause I, I feel like this is a, I feel like this will be ending up as like a, this is personal type of revenge game. If you're mm-hmm. going to see it just because of how badly they played in the shark tank and they still only lost by four. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be one of those that Jacksonville better play its best game of the year because they are definitely the one that I, uh, they're the one I would say is the one I have the least confidence in making it to the playoffs now out of, the and, and I'll have to join you in that conversation, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're they're going to the Albany Empire, the number one seed in the team who just basically did anything they wanted, wanted against the best defense in the league in the Columbus Lions. Jacksonville has had, has now has questions on their defensive side of the ball. Their front four can't get to the quarterback. Yeah, they did get the Aiken a couple of times last week, but that's more of coverage sacks. And their offense is just – you've seen too, much, too many offensive drives just stall out for no apparent reason. Yeah. If it's a, a, a mis-exchange between the quarterback and center or a wrong read, a, a, run, a receiver runs a go when it's supposed to be an out and the quarterback throws it to the wall and they complete. Um, Jacksonville, over the last couple of weeks, has just boneheaded mistakes. And that usually goes to, as a fan, you'll go, oh, it's because of the players. Players stink when you sign all these players. But sometimes it just comes down to it's not coaching – because sometimes coaches say, hey, you're supposed to do this, and it's because the player may have ran the wrong route, but it's also the inexperience where you see the ever-changing cycle in the backfield for the Sharks. We've been yeah. through three quarterbacks this year. You're not building any consistency. So when people say, oh, fire the coach, fire everybody in Jacksonville, well, look at the bigger picture. They, don't have, they haven't had a guy in the backfield that you can okay, he's going to be here next week because he's a starter. Remember, Mike Faithful got hurt. The Breckenridge came in. Connor Kagan came in. And Southwick came in. Now we're back to Connor Kagi. Then we're back to Southwick. So it's ever changing for the Sharks. And that, in my opinion, you look across the field this Saturday and you're seeing a NAL slash AFL arena football Hall of Fame quarterback, Tommy Grady, one of the best to ever play this game in the indoor field. Who's been back there? Who has Malachi Jones? Who has Prince? Who has um, Barrett? Who has the list? Goes on, roughens. The team is loaded in Albany. An inconsistent offense like Jacksonville this season, 
maybe this gets a spark to the sharks. Hopefully it does. Hopefully a couple of shark people listen to us and you go up there and shut me up. I really love it, but I've seen it against Columbus. I've seen it against Carolina. They're not playing good football. No. And no. And you, you understand the fan side of it. Fans get pissed, like, oh, it's this, this, and this. And players get defensive because both sides love the game. They want to see the team win. And mm-hmm. I've said last week that Jacksonville is just spoiled as a franchise. We're spoiled because we win a lot. We're not used to losing. I look at this team. I look up against Albany Empire. I can see the Albany Empire resting players after they're up by 30 points. But I don't see, especially the interview that we just had yesterday, I don't see Tom Anos letting his guys rest the second half if it's a two-possession game. Because he knows, like, he's going to say, do we really want to play this team next week or do we just want to finish them off so we don't have to bother them next week? So technically you can say – yeah, you you can basically say this right now. I've seen people ask about 16 playoff in the NAL. We have it right now. (laughs) Pretty much. we, We have it right now. Jackson's playing Albany. If Jacksonville wins, they advance. Probably advance. Albany wins, they eliminate. If Columbus wins, they eliminate New Jersey. And then you got the four teams. You got Carolina, Orlando, Columbus, and Albany. So we got that. It's just, I look at Albany. They had one mess. One, you can see what Tom and Austin said. That he regrets it. He blames it on the Florida humidity uh, in the practice situation. <laughs> um, but I, I look at it this way. Jacksonville has to travel to Albany. Yeah. Jacksonville has not done well on the road this year. They pulled one off in Carolina. But besides from that, you get they got blown out in Carolina. They got blown out in Columbus, and they got handled in Orlando. You're going to the best team in the league. Do you actually think you're going to stay up there for two weeks and play there next week? I highly doubt that. As a Shark fan, it's hard for me to say that. I want to say, oh, the Sharks are going there. They're going to shock the world. They're going to pull off the upset. I don't see it. No. Um, I it's just the court. It comes down to the quarterback situation. The Connor Kagey and Danny Southwick. They need to play just not their A plus game. They need to be playing their advanced placement course, um, A plus game. Like the, the, they need a six GPA in the in the in the AP course to beat this. <laughs> um, they need to be playing out of their ass. Excuse my language, but they need to play out of their ass to pull something well. off. Um, but I said it again anyway, so whatever. Uh, you you know what I mean. I, oh, I just sure. look at this. I, I look at this game. I think Albany, in my opinion, is just too good. Um, and they're home, and they know that they're the one seed. They're gonna have a lot of fans in the stands. Uh, Tom and I said their ticket sales are gonna be pretty good this week, and it's their chance to put the. It's a chance for them to put the cutthroat on a national arena league, arena football league superpower in the Jacksonville Sharks. What a way to eliminate them on their own field. And you don't have to worry about them until next year. I think you're going to see that type of mentality by Albany. And they remember that game earlier this year of losing to Jacksonville. And from what Tom and I said, kind of laughs at it because he's like, how are we losing Jacks? That's basically <laughs> what he kind of translated in his thing. But oh, I, I think Albany is just going to be much more prepared in this game. And I'm as a Shark fan, uh, it's going to be hard for me to get the, you know, get the grips over it. But yeah, uh, Albany's too good. I don't see them resting players. They can rest their whole entire team. And in the fourth quarter, Tom and Austin made up. Oh, great to go out there. Malachi, go out there. Let's go win this game. We gave Jacksonville enough hope. That possibly can happen too. But I don't see it happening this week. I think the season for the Jacksonville Sharks ends 
in Albany this uh, this week, and Albany just gets ready to um, play in the next round of, uh, in playoffs next week. Yep, I'm also with you, Jim. I got the Sharks being eliminated here. No matter who starts a QB this week, uh, whether it is Southwick, whether it is Kagey, uh, which we haven't gotten any indication on that that I'm aware of, uh, I just don't see it. And again, like with our conversation with with Coach Manas, you know, they really don't sound like they want to sit players. So I think this is, like I said, based on just their loss early in this year and how much it was gut wrenching for Albany mm-hmm. itself. They're going to make this personal, and they're also probably as they gear up towards their first playoff debut in the NAL. That crowd, I would not be surprised, is the lar- is the largest of the season. And, I mean, I, I I think that it's going to just keep growing as you get into the playoffs. I think you'll see this week it'll get more fans. The playoffs you'll see they'll get more because they're already selling decently with ticket sales. It sounds like for their first one. Yeah, I I think. Jacksonville, I I won't I think you got to play your best game, but to me, they're the ones I think are most likely out of the three looking for the fourth seed that are down and out for the count this week. Uh, I just uh, for what has been going against this roster, for the injuries, for the inconsistent play, just not going their their right way and not their year. I, I just say that you're better off. <laughs> I mean, don't say pack it in, but if you lose, just look at it as well we had a year that was crazy as hell. Let's just hit the reset button and figure it out to be more competitive next year in what should be a growing league for 2022. So should, should I start stirring the pot right now? I'm going to make a, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to say something. Jacksonville fans, we're going to lose this weekend, but we will be NAL champions in 2022. You actually think Jacksonville is going to sit back and go, this is our league. We're not like this. We'll be back. So just saying that, mark it down. When we're doing the podcast one year from now, talking about the playoffs, we're going to talk about how the Jacksonville Sharks are the number one seed and hosting playoff games, not being eliminated. I'm gonna yeah, that's, me being, that's going to be something. Now, we could be coming from a year from now and be like, so, James, you say we we're the one seed. Uh, you're, you're struggling to get the six seed in the playoffs. You know, yeah, uh, uh, uh. yeah, I ran my mouth. But I don't expect Jacksonville to – you know, be down long. They're going to be back next year. And hopefully next year we're in a better place as a society. And hopefully we're celebrating a good 2022 season. So just saying Jacksonville, take the L this year. Jacksonville will be back next year. My little Jaguar cockiness or Sharks cockiness came in that mm-hmm. we're winning the championship next year. But still, don't expect Jacksonville to be down long. They'll be back next year. So if Shark fans, enjoy the 2021 Jacksonville Jaguars season because, you know, NFL starting and the hype around Trevor Lawrence is here. Let's enjoy the offseason and let the other guys win a championship and still appreciate the arena game. Um, but right now, the Sharks are just not the team uh, to host a trophy this year. They just injuries, the inconsistency of quarterback play and moving pieces everywhere. It's just not the year. So, but for Shark fans, I know you just hate me because I said we're going to lose to Albany, but we'll be back next year. I guarantee we'll be in a position next year where we're talking about championships. It's for a another, shark way. For another year, it seems. Again, could anything can happen. I just don't have much faith in it. And I, and yeah, I know I you have, don't either. <laughs> I'm a season ticket holder. I got the phone cards. Are you renewing your season tickets next year? I'm like, me? Moi? No, I ain't coming back. This team? Uh-uh. 
where do I need to sign? I may buy an extra two tickets next year. Um, <laughs> so it's just like, I'll be there next year. I'll be in my seats next year cheering on my fan, unless there's a couple of games that me and you are traveling on location to another stadium uh, mm-hmm. for next season. But yes, I'll be there next year. I'm a, I love this game and I've been a fan since day one of the Sharks and losing seasons happen, people. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think this is the year. Um, they haven't shown any sign for me to be, oh, they're going to pull it off. And of course, this game is so odd that we might come here next week and go, well, look at this shit. Jacksonville's in the playoffs. But guess what? <laughs> they're playing Albany again. So let me just replay the same segment next week. So yeah. Oh my God. Um, but I don't see it happening. Uh, uh, just too many question marks in Jacksonville. They had their chance this past week and they didn't capitalize on it. Now, it's Carolina, New Jersey's chance to uh, capture that four seed. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite a year for them. That's all I can say. My final remark until until who knows what will happen next week or for next week leading into the semifinals for the playoffs. Speaking of those semis, that leads to our final contestant on the on the fourth seed of uh, – I don't know. I had a terrible idea for a title, and I'm just going to bail on it here. The but, final contestants of the fourth seed playoff berth. Woohoo! Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. One of you lucky contestants <laughs> will play the OVD Empire at the Times Union Center. One of the like, woo, we made the playoffs. Who we play? Albany. Oh, man. Can we trade the pick? <laughs> one of the hardest places to play in all of the arena football landscape. It's it's literally like winning the daily double or like what was it? The Price is Right, where you can win both showcases. Yeah, and you're like, man, I want to go to Italy. I want to go to Rome. I did not want to go no freaking Alaska. <laughs> what the hell? You wouldn't? Oh, really? Like, uh, no, I want to go to Italy. No, you get Alaska. That's the fourth. That's the fourth seed of the playoffs. Like, we're in the playoffs. Yeah, who are we playing? Albany. Really? Our, our I don't want to go to Albany. Can I go to Orlando? <laughs> can I go to the freaking <laughs> Columbus? Nope, you're going to Albany. Our final contestant on the Fort C giveaway is the Jersey flight Jersey. Come on down. And I have to ask him one question. Will the real Jersey flight please stand up? Because I know that this roster on paper should have more wins and they played really well at times. They should have beat the Albany empire for crying out loud two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. They should have beat Carolina in week one. They're two and five. And they are the team that I, if it wasn't for the fact that the Sharks had so much promise in this year, I would say they are the second most disappointing of the teams just for what is on paper and how inconsistent play has plagued mm. them since week one. Yeah, My God, I, I almost want to say that they shouldn't even be in this position, but here they are. So they're in, they're in the position. <laughs> so yeah, they're in a position. Preach. Preach. I'm, I'm holding the Bible and just like, preach it, Zach. Preach it, yeah. <laughs> Let me be telling you, the Jersey Flight have one heck of a matchup that they got to take on. They have to travel for their final road game. Well, possibly final road game. Either way, if they were to make it in the playoffs, they got another road game. Jesus, they they're, the scheduling gods were not in their favor for how they oh. put it. Just endless road games to end the season away from Trenton. Uh, and they get to go play the Columbus lions at the civic center who just lost a tough battle with the Albany empire. They've locked themselves in the second seed, licking their wounds a little bit. And they already beat Jersey this year. So there's no really revenge plot there. Like with Albany, Mm -hmm. I would say 
but I almost feel like with Columbus, it's the same expectation of, yeah, we're not going to sit people. This is we're tuning up and getting our guys mentally prepared to where we can make a run to the NAL championship and be ready to go. I mean, credit, you can't overlook your opponents for Orlando, but this is a tune-up game. And And the Jersey flight are no slouch of an opponent as we have seen this year, Mm -hmm. because they should be to me already in that fourth seed. They just have been playing down to their opponents. Well, you you said, yeah, you said that your second most disappointing team. I'm not going to say that, honestly. Um, Here's my reason why. Because you look at the games that they've lost, especially in the later half of the season, they were close. They lost a close game to Albany. Should have beat Albany, but they lost at Albany. And the only reason why I said this they're not my second disappointing team this year, just put, let's say this, put Carolina in that position. Okay. Does Carolina win that game in that same scenario? You make a fair point. Exactly. I'm not taking shots at Carolina. I'm just saying Carolina then is different from now. Mm -hmm. But you got that tough loss. At points of the season, the Jersey's defense was what we like to call the the, – I don't – I forgot the guy's name. This is what happens when you're trying to compare freaking Marvel characters into freaking uh, sports. (laughs) Um, I was going to say – Hulk, uh, doctor, who's Hulk? What's his name? Dr. Banner. Banner. There we go. Okay, New Jersey's defense is Dr. Banner. And the evolution of that was the Columbus defense. That was Hulk. Okay. And when teams struggled against New Jersey, you're like, well, they're struggling with New Jersey. You look at the schedule. It's like, oh, they got Columbus next week. And when they played in Columbus the following week, the same as results happened, but they were escalated by five. That was Columbus defense. So when you say that, well, they're your most disappointing team, I look at them this way. They have Laughing House, they have Dangerfield, and they have Beavers. Again, a loaded receiving core. They have Warren Smith, probably one of the better quarterbacks in the National Arena League. The issue with New Jersey, from my opinion, they're not my second most disappointing team. I look at their offensive line. They're not giving Warren Smith a time. That is and fair. that's But everything else, that team is – Good. That team should have locked up the four seed three weeks ago. They should have been – I should. I forgot who they played, and they lost. They should have won. But, no, Orlando, there it is. They had to play Orlando. If they would have beat – came off that bye week and beat Orlando, they would have set themselves as three and three and would have been in a comfortable position. But Orlando did that to them, and Orlando got in that position. It's, it's just – I look at Jersey, and I look at this game against Columbus – you got the the banner and the Hulk defense, similar defenses. But you look at Columbus, they have just lost to the Albany Empire. You do not want to go into the playoffs losing two in a row. That is set as tell at setting you up for failure because you're gonna have a team in Orlando coming in there, you know, ready to pull off an upset. And for if I was Columbus, if I was coach Jason Gibson, just go in there, or Coach Gibson, excuse me, sorry, my bad. If I was Coach Gibson, don't rest players. Go out there, beat Columbus, put them – no, not beat Columbus, excuse me. Beat New Jersey, get them two, three, or four score lead, whatever, how much many points you can get on them. Then think about maybe take the Loach out, take Outlaw out, and start resting players. But I look at this game, and you said New Jersey was dis- Jersey's disappointed this year. I don't. 
two, you get what uh, the Malachi Jones touchdown that was a deciding factor in Albany's game, and you had the jump pass that was caught in uh, in Carolina. Yes. One. Receiver drops those balls. What's the record? Yes, the record then flips over to four. They're and four and three. The record's four and three, and they're in the same position as Orlando. So I look at this game. They, in my opinion, they hold the tiebreakers over Carolina and Jacksonville. If all three teams lose this weekend, ladies and gentlemen, Jersey's in. Because mm-hmm. they have it all. They have it all in their favor. For me, football gods are weird, dude. Sometimes they you, you don't think it's going to happen, and the, the odd thing happens. This game, I think, is going to be competitive early. But I think I think Columbus wants to get that loss out of their heads because you do not want to go into the postseason on a two-game losing streak. And I think Columbus comes out strong. I think Mason Espinoza. I think the offense of Columbus just gets full kicking. But, again, like I said, no discrediting Jersey's defense. They have been the second-best defense most of the year in the NAL compared to a couple of weeks where Orlando's came out of nowhere and showed that they're the second-best defense. It's going to be a low-scoring game in Columbus mm-hmm. early. And I just look at – you go down to the – you look – have this side check it off. Go Defensive lines, Columbus, okay. Who has a better offensive line? Columbus. They, okay, you go to the secondary. Who has a better secondary? Well, Columbus does, but they just got torched. So they're kind of, you know, a little wounded. But New Jersey has a solid defense and solid secondary. Mm-hmm. So you you look at you start going position by position, and these two teams are so similar. It's just the record's different. But you go to the final stage is quarterback, and I've said this last week. I said two weeks ago. I know Grady had a good game last week. I know he's had some highlight uh, high points, but homeboy Mason Evans almost had 500 yards passing last week in a loss against Albany. You actually think he's going to do that against Jersey? He's going to do it. He is the MVP of the league, in my opinion. And he might not get it, but I'm just saying that he gets the MVP. And if we voted, we don't get to vote. Yeah, we don't. It comes down to Warren Smith and Mason Espinoza. And last time these two guys met, met, met each other, Warren Smith made two, three more mistakes than Mason. And Jersey's defense couldn't slow down the high-power offense in Columbus. And now you're in Columbus. They just came off of a loss to the Albany Empire. This game – Screams me, very competitive early separation in the second half. Columbus win by two scores. I've got Columbus pulling this off over Jersey. And I think in terms of if we're comparing earlier in the season, Jersey, Mm -hmm. let's just say Jersey got smacked around. Um, And it was not Columbus's prettiest game. They, but they held them to 15 points. They, they thoroughly demolished Jersey and won by 34. Yeah. Early on, week two. And, you know, I don't think you're going to see that same performance out of the flight. Again, desperation brings out some of the, some of the, can bring out some of the craziest, if not most spontaneous moments out of a team. And it can be the most dangerous parts. So maybe to me, Jersey gets that edge. And again, on paper, this roster is pretty good. So mm-hmm. you cannot sleep on them. It's just that for what, for, and I'll reiterate why I think it's disappointing. I'm disappointed in Jersey. 
the inconsistency for what they have on both sides of the ball. And I know that it's come down to some possession games, but even like the Albany game two weeks ago, they were up two possessions in the fourth and could have, and should have walked away with the game if they just maintain yep. any part of it and not have forced turnovers and, and basically stalled drives in the four, in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, the Carolina Co- the Cobras lost week one. Okay. Yeah. Chalk it up to a hail, basically a hail Mary. You know, I get that. Uh, so I don't know. I just, I see a team that hasn't lived up to its full potential. Maybe it comes out. Maybe this is the game that they upset and move their, move their way along into the playoffs, but I don't see it because coach Gibson and company, you know, like I said, they just, and we've reiterated, they came off a tough loss to Albany. You do not go soft on a week after a tough loss like that, you know, and with the playoffs around the corner and being preparing for a Predators roster that win or lose, you know, defensively can match up pretty well. Yeah. It's, it's going to be time to buckle up and uh, get back mentally in, in order for the Columbus lions. I, I think they walk away at least a two possession win and it'll be close all the way up until the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. Usually Jersey, when it comes to these losses um, or losses this season, well, it's either they get it's either they get thoroughly demolished in terms of their first contest against Albany or how they played Columbus, or it comes down to that they just fall short and the final in the final stretch of the of the second half is where they fall flat. And I think it's going to be coming down to that. You'll run out of gas, and I again will reiterate: I think Carolina gets that fourth seed. Just from all the retooling. You you have the four seed, I think. I honestly think Caroline does get the four seed, but I think there's going to be a little bit more chaos. I think we're going to be at 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday and go, okay, three minutes left here in, in Albany, five minutes left there in Orlando, two minutes left there in Columbus. And it's literally like, oh, dear God, um, we're not done yet. And it could come down to that. But I want to share a quote for everyone here uh, said by the late uh, great uh, Jerry Sloan of the Utah Jazz the hardest game to win is when you're playing a team that's under elimination Mm -hmm. because they'll pull out all the tricks all the stops to continue their season that's where you might see here in week 10 crazy things can happen just saying and I'm prepared if Jacksonville makes the playoffs, I'll be, holy crap, we made the playoffs. And I regret being so arrogant early in the episode. But if they lose, I'll be like, yeah, I kind of figured we'll be back at it next year. And if I'm Jersey, you get in, it's because all three teams lost and you won the tiebreaker and you got yourself in, or you won the day and you shocked the world or shocked the NAL world and beat Columbus, or you're Carolina. You took care of business and Jacksonville and Orlando did not. Or Jacksonville and um, Jersey did not, and you got in. So – Three teams are battling for one position. The other three teams are just waiting, even though they're playing this week, and it's going to be entertaining. So Jerry Sloan's quote was legit. The hardest game to win is when you're playing against a team that's under elimination. And we're getting that this this week with three teams. And the question is, is who strives to be rewarded with the Albany Empire next week in the first round of the National Arena League playoffs? The playoffs are right around the corner. Week 10 is going to be hectic. Plenty of action that is coming your way. All three games, I imagine, you're going to see at least the fourth seed contenders pull out all the stops 
to try and clinch and move on with their season uh, until next time guys that's going to do it for our well second episode of the week of inside the walls podcast as, as we mentioned earlier if you haven't checked out our conversation with coach tom Minas of the albany empire recommend you do uh as many of you listening in we usually try and have it all in one episode but it was just such a long conversation that was really kind of, it was really entertaining. That is to sit back and kind of listen to his tales as well as just kind of get some just, you know, insights on maybe life as well as coaching and, you know, the season in general, building the empire to where they are right now. Yeah, it was, we just made two episodes. So go check out that one. If you haven't yet, highly recommend it really good. Listen for the interview and just for any insight that coach Manas has, Uh, you won't be disappointed. But until next time, thanks as always. Can't appreciate your support enough. Follow us on social media at InWallsPod. Again, that's at InWallsPod. And remember one thing. Hey, week 10, you better be Jack out of the box. Stay tuned, everyone. (laughs) 